I like to study, and I've never really gotten connected with a group of people that was also really intent on studying and learning and, and really wanting to understand like the core of our faith and, and make that simple and kind of break it down step by step. And so it's been really beneficial to just be in a community where questions are encouraged and where you know growth is encouraged and there's challenging questions we ask each other. It's like an accountability group in some ways, and so I, I really like that. Knowing the basics in life is important. From learning a new sport, to learning a language, even learning math, those things are important. It gives us a foundation. I came into Rooted thinking I knew all about the basics. But as I studied with my group, I learned that when I feel stuck, when I don't feel like I'm hearing from God, I need to go back and I need to think. Am I praying? Am I in the Word? Am I serving others? And that helps reignite me to move forward. Whenever I was feeling insecure, I would turn to some kind of pride or achievement, really as an idol. But that idol then drove the insecurity, which then drove me back to the idol, and it was a cycle. But now, when I notice the insecurity, instead of turning to pride or achievement to try to fix that, I'm turning to the Lord and I'm finding that in Him, my insecurity is met and that cycle was broken. Before Rooted, I was looking for a really safe space where I could grow, and I found that in this community. I was able to share and be very vulnerable with my strongholds and a very confidential, safe environment without judgment, and it's just really helped me in my spiritual walk and my growth and my ability to communicate with God. Rooted has helped me to refocus on the importance of prayer in my life. I can always pray a little bit more. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. How many minutes do we actually give to the Lord in prayer? In week three in the Rooted series, they talk about prayer. They also come up with the acronym PRAY. This was very helpful for me in restoring a more consistent prayer life. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here on this beautiful, beautiful spring day here in Whatcom County. I just had an emotional moment down here in the corner. As I, was, I know, big surprise, right? Grant had an emotion, had a feeling. Came down this hallway, and before I walked through the door, I heard something that a year ago I did not hear. Singing. A year ago, this room had three camera people and Gabe at the back. <laughs> and someone from the staff actually came in, took pictures of some of my friends and family and, and hung them on specific chairs so it felt like there was somebody here. It's great to have you in the room. It's great to have you online. I just think it's good to know that we can worship Jesus. Isn't that good? Just a beautiful thing. A couple things as we get going today. Uh, this Friday is our day to pray. We're a part of a movement of churches here in Whatcom County where we each take a day, a month, and we pray 24-7 during that particular day. And this Friday is our day to pray. If you haven't become a part of that, I encourage you to go to ctk.church slash day, the number two, and then the word pray, day to pray. There's a guide there that can actually walk you through. You can sign up for a 30-minute slot or a 60-minute slot. We would love to pray together, different times, different places, but all together 
together in the throne room of Jesus. Next week, we're doing something called an Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything is when we fly without a net. There's no preparation. People text in live questions. It's just me and my Bible. And if for no other reason, you can watch to watch me squirm because it happens every single time. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to be thinking ahead of time. You got a question in this temperature of society right now. I'm sure there's plenty of questions flying around out there. And then after that, we're going to start a new series called You Are Here, dealing with some of the emotional stuff that's walked out of this pandemic. And then my original plan was to preach through the book of Job for the entire summer. And then I thought, I just don't think I should do that to people right now because it's heavy and it's all about suffering. And so we're going to wait till winter to do that. Yay. <laughs> and instead, we're actually going to spend the entire summer teaching the stories that Jesus taught. And I love teaching, and I love telling stories, and Jesus' parables give me something new, and every day we're going to do a different parable every week all the way through the summer, and I'm super excited about those particular areas. Last week, Pastor Brian asked us a question, and the question was this, are we wasting the wind Brian talked about a biodome experiment that was supposed to create perfect growing conditions, and it did. The trees in the biodome grew in epic proportions, and then one day, they just started falling over. Because the experiment neglected a very important variable, the wind. Without opposition, without resistance, and the need to become deeply rooted, the trees could not withstand their own weight, and so they just collapsed and fell over. As a church in the past months, we've discovered a truth that's undeniable. When the winds of medical, financial, political, and social challenge pushed on people, those who were deeply rooted in Jesus and the spiritual practices of following him, they held fast and actually thrived. On the other end of the spectrum, those who were not rooted, those who put their roots down into opinion and conjecture and honestly societal anger, they just started falling over right and left. Today I want to talk to you about being rooted in reverse. There are some passages of scripture that are best read from beginning to end. But in my humble opinion, there are some other passages of scripture that are best read from end to beginning. My favorite preacher, God rest his soul, is Dr. E.V. Hill. Dr. Hill would always say this in his indomitable way. He'd say, if you're scratching your head at the end of the chapter, stop back into it. So that's what we're going to do. Today we're going to start at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 3. You may recognize the end, but I think by the time we get back to the beginning, you might be surprised and very challenged to see what God has for us today. So let's become rooted in reverse. The Apostle Paul is building this incredible letter. He's writing it to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, who, by the way, happened to be caught in a whirlwind of political pressure and sickness and church opinions and the beginning of a spiritual movement. And at the peak, at the apex of the letter and the apex of the chapter, Paul makes this incredible declaration. He answers the question, what is true? This is what he says. All Scripture is God-breathed. Just let that soak in for a second. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Last week, Brian brought a stick, and because I want to be like Brian when I grow up, I brought a stick too. 
My friend Garrett Byman actually gave me this stick years ago, and if you, if you can't see it, when he gave it to me originally, it didn't look like this, but it's a vine that has actually wrapped itself around a branch to the point where the vine is actually thoroughly embedded into the branch itself. Originally, it was a beautiful picture, and I've used it multiple times. It showed up in the Exodus series, you know, let my people go. Um, split the Red Sea, all that kind of stuff. And then whenever I've preached John 15, 16, and 17, I bring out the stick because it's a beautiful picture of how the vine has wrapped itself around the branch and found its sustenance there. It's deeply embedded into the branch itself. And today, it's not any of those pictures. It's a warning. Here's the tough truth. This is a really nice stick. My friend Mike actually saw it and said, Grant, that'd be a beautiful walking stick. So he did some rope stuff and made this beautiful, I mean, it's the beautiful, nice stick. It's gorgeous. It's fun to look at. It's fun to carry. People ask me questions about it. It's dead. It's dead. Somewhere along the line, the vine got separated from the life source, and now it has a secondary purpose as a walking stick. It may look okay. In fact, it may even look strong to you, but this stick is still dead. How many of us in the past year have wrapped ourselves around the opinions of other broken human beings? How many of us have spent more time watching the newsreel than putting our roots down into the good news of Scripture? How many of us have shown our own, chose our own preferences, our own comfort, our own truth, as opposed to the Word of God? I hate to... I said it last night. I said I hate to break it to you. I actually don't. I like breaking it to you. If you are your own and final authority and not basing your life on the principles of the Word of God, you're in trouble. And the winds of opposition will knock you down. If you wrap yourself around anything other than the eternal word of God, it's only a matter of time until you collapse and die. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. I can honestly say that this book saved my life literally, and it also drives me crazy. There are moments when it confounds me. Jesus saved my life literally, Through the power of his word, his word also at times has called me up and out in areas that are challenging. It drives me crazy. Love my enemies? Really? I want to crush my enemies. Or more suitable to my personality, I would like someone else to come along and crush them for me. Okay? (laughs) Love my neighbor? What if I don't want a neighbor? Forgive as the Lord forgave you? Are you kidding? God, have you seen how big and how bad their offenses are compared to mine? And in spite of all those responses, when I was choosing to live in sin, he forgave me and called me closer than a neighbor relationship. He called me into his very family. Every single word of scripture teaches me, encourages me, rebukes me when I get all wrapped up in myself. It corrects my error in thinking and it trains me how to respond like Jesus. And then it calls me into fulfilling my God-given purpose. This is all true. Every single word, the parts I like, the parts I don't like, the parts that comfort me on the journey and the parts that make me uncomfortable along the journey. When we were visiting house churches in rural Thailand, I remember hearing a group of adult new believers sing what I considered to be a children's song. And they sang it with gusto and passion. 
the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. How many remember? <laughs> At 11.15, not a single hand will go up. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and I remember my first thought was, that, that's a kid's song. Can I tell you about that little group of believers in Thailand? In the last three years, they've planted over a thousand churches. They have baptized thousands of people. Could it be that the reason God is pouring out revival on them is because they stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E? Let's keep working backwards. Second question, where's your conviction? I'm so thankful the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm so thankful that when we take Scripture and actually pour it into our heart, that when the Bible sinks deep, it actually makes a difference in our life. I was a kid and I was raised in Awana. My Awana leader, Bob, was helping me learn a verse. I could not get this verse. I learned these verses in the King James Version. And for, for, for an elementary school kid, those yees and these can be really, really, really conversant. And so I'm going along here. This was the verse I was trying to learn it started with a question. It said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you're in fifth grade, that's a hard verse to learn. I'm just telling you. I couldn't learn that verse. Every time there was a ye, like, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, you were bought with a price. Honor God with your body. I'm just like, I just got so messed up. I couldn't get the thing straight. But Bob helped me. And this is what he would do. We were actually learning these verses in the kitchen of Faith Fellowship Baptist Church in Brandon, Manitoba. And Bob was the commander, and he was also my, my pioneer leader. And he would stick his head into the kitchen, and he'd go, Hey, Grant, what? And I'd go, No, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, Virginia. You were bought, you were bought with the price, and I'd just rattle off the verse as best I could. And it was never quite right. Five minutes later, Bob would come back around, stick his head in, and go, Hey, Grant, what? <laughs> no, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'd get it wrong, get it wrong, get it wrong, get it wrong, until I finally got it right. Years later, I'm in middle school. My hormones are on fire. Puberty's raging. And I'm doing what middle school boys do. I'm naively investigating temptations without thinking about where it would take me. I'm checking out God's daughters. That's awkward. And, and every time I'm given an opportunity to an experiment and do the wrong thing, Jesus and Bob would show up in my head and say, what? <laughs> know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. The word got rooted and it grew a conviction that stuck with me even though I wasn't really paying attention. Second Timothy continues and says, but it's for you. Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Jesus. 
Every one of us is called to be rooted in Scripture, to push down roofs so deep so that in moments of crisis and temptation, you don't hear the lies of your own authority that always justify your position. Has anyone else noticed that you are rarely wrong according to you? Right? It's not about aligning with that authority. It's about aligning with the authority of God who calls you out of temptation and out of crisis into his perfect plan. Next question, moving from back to front. Who's calling you higher and deeper? Paul asked Timothy a question. Who do you give permission to influence you? This has been a tough one in this last year. Because some of the answers are, well, that guy on the radio seems solid. Really? Enough to give him two hours of your day every day? Well, that blogger is really, really, really good. Are they? What do you know about their heart? You know, lots about their writing. What do you know about their heart? How much weight do you give social media people without knowing anything about their soul, their heart, their motivation, their life? Are they real or are they just another dead stick. Listen to Paul. Talk to Timothy. He says, you, however, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. You know what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Some, just like, some of us should underline that. Okay? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. Like, Grant, I did not come to church to hear that. I want to remind you of something. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Verse 13, while evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul saying, hey, Timothy, you know me. You know me. I'm calling you higher and deeper in your walk with Jesus. Not because I want you to follow me, but because I want you to follow him. I love the words. He talks about his own resume of suffering. And then he says this, yet the Lord... Yet the Lord, godly mentors call us into a life all about Jesus, not all about them. They want you, they should be wanting you to follow them, not just become one of their followers. Parents, you're going to answer for this one day. You're called by God to give your children two gifts, roots and wings. Root them by loving Jesus with everything in you so that they want to follow that example and then release them into God's plan and purpose. Roots and wings. At some point, they need to grow deep, and at some point, they need to go. <laughs> it's actually biblical. Paul's a spiritual father, and he's saying this to his spiritual son. Timothy, you saw me suffer, and you saw me run in my suffering straight into the arms of Jesus. Let's keep going. Next question, from back to front. When do you draw a line? Paul tells Timothy, hey, uh, there are people who are going to try and worm their way into your root system. People with an agenda other than the agenda of Jesus are going to do everything they can to try and put the, their spin on the words so that they can gain influence over you. Here's what Paul says. Have nothing to do with them. That's bold, isn't it? Have nothing to do with them. 
Now I'm going to read this next section. Don't jump to the wrong conclusion. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Don't get freaked out and draw a wrong conclusion. Paul is not being demeaning to the daughters of God. In this culture, women didn't have access to education. He's not demeaning women. The jerks that Paul is talking about here would take advantage of their lack of knowledge, manipulate them spiritually, and then live off the back of their hard work. This is not an indictment on the ladies. It's an indictment on the manipulative men who use their position to take advantage of one of God's daughters. And I'll take you back to the Old Testament message from a few weeks ago. Do you remember back to what God does to people who mess with his furniture? Don't mess with his family for your own gain. Keep reading, verse 8. Just as Yannis and Yambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. Wow. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. That passage reminds me of another scripture that I learned way back in Awana. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. When you sow manipulation, advantage, coercion, and influence for the wrong reason, God says that's exactly what's going to come back on you. I told you the stick was a warning. How you doing? You all right? Last question. When Pastor Brian and I are working on series and stuff, uh, we both do a similar exercise. At the top of Brian's manuscript, you will see the words, so what? At the top of my manuscript, it'll often say, why does it matter? Because <laughs> we can talk about all kinds of things, but if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't actually give you something to, to take with you throughout the week, it, it's kind of a waste of time. I want to remind you where we started. We started with all scripture is God breathed. And we've walked our way backwards through the chapter. We finally arrived at the beginning. And I want to remind you of something. This writing is 2,000 plus years old. But I want you to listen and just ask yourself the question. Do I see any modern parallels today? 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. That most popular question I've been asked over the last number of weeks is, Pastor, do you think we're in the last days? My response is always this. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I think today would be an awesome day to go to heaven. I mean, seriously, let's just pull the plug on this thing and go. New heaven, new earth. Perfect worship services. I don't have to preach. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, <laughs> bring it. That sounds good. Are they the last days? I don't know. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Not lovers of the good, treacherous, 
rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Does that not seem like a modern-day description of what you're seeing around the world today? And boy, it's so easy to sit back, isn't it, right away? It's just kind of like, just like, oh boy, I'm so glad Paul talks about those people. Man, if we could just get those people straightened out, everything would just be so much better. Because after all, I mean, if they were just like us, if, like, like if, if we could just somehow make a few decisions for them, this would be so much better. It's so easy to turn towards those people as opposed to looking in a mirror and going, do, do, do any of these areas need some work for me? Let's walk through them together. And I'll hold up the same mirror that I've been looking in all week long. Welcome to the pain, people. Welcome to the pain. Lovers of themselves. How many of us have been caught up in my opinions, my rights, my freedom, my way, my thoughts, my plan, my program? Lovers of money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is an inanimate object. It can't do anything to you. It's the way you look at it. It's the way you view it. It's how you prioritize it. It's what you care about. Boastful. I mean, how many of us read, the, how many of us read that description? It's like, Paul is certainly not talking about me. He has to be talking about them. That's boastful. What's the next one? It's the same thing. Proud. But, but, but I am well informed because I'm, I'm right and because I, I get it and because I get it, I don't need to listen to anyone else because I already know what's right. That's somewhat proud, don't you think? Abusive. I'm not abusive. I just rail and abuse people on social media in all capital letters because I can. Can I ask you a question that's going to get me in lots of trouble? How's that working for you? How many hearts have you won to Jesus by railing on social media? What's the next one? Disobedient to parents. Some of us are just like, yeah, dang, kids. And for some reason we attach an age to this and we simply forget that God is our father. Disobedient to our spiritual dad. Oh, I love the next one, ungrateful. Could I ask you a few questions? You guys are just as quiet as Saturday night was at this point. Ungrateful. Uh, are you clothed? Yep. You got food? Yep. You warm? Yep. Did you say thank you? Not yet. Will you say thank you? Unholy. Oh, come on, Granny. I mean, I'm mostly good. The Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, which is interesting because here's the next one. Without love, oh, I'll love you as long as you agree with my opinions. Just don't ask me to love anyone who has a different opinion than mine um, and make sure that all the people you ask me to love are easy to love. What about unforgiving? Oh, I'll forgive if they ask first. How about the next one? slanderous. Well, I, don't, I don't slander anybody. Well, maybe except for those stupid people from a certain political affiliation. 
or those stupid people from a certain political affiliation or those blank, blank, blank. How about without self-control? No, but you don't understand. Like I type stuff out and then I have to hit send. It's my calling. How about the word brutal? I read a Christian message board the other day between pastors. That was brutal. Shepherds beating up shepherds. Next one, not lovers of the good. I mean, let's just forget the good and focus on the sensational. It's easier that way. What about the word treacherous? What's in it for me? What's in it for me and who do I need to step on in order to get where I want to go? How about the word rash? Anybody else in the room just lost it lately for any reason? Two people willing to admit it. That's awesome, fantastic. <laughs> Conceited the next word. How hard is it for you, honestly? How hard is it for me to acknowledge weakness? Only two more and then we'll stop the pain. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? As long as I'm comfortable, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But when opposition comes in, what do I choose? Comfort or Jesus? Pastor Brian asked a question last week. Boy, it was a question that sat in my heart all week long when after I listened to his message. He said, so if, if, if God actually answered all of your questions or all of your prayers in the last week, would the world be different or would you just be more comfortable? Last one, having a form of godliness but denying its power. 75 to 80% of the people in this country identify as Christians. I believe in God. Believing in God is fantastic. Choosing to place yourself under his authority, that's lordship. Continuing the tree analogy, because we've been on a bit of a run with this one. California redwoods are legendary. I've never actually had an opportunity to be there, but uh, from what I've heard, they are incredible. One particular part of the forest is called the Grove of the Titans. They are huge trees, gigantic. Some of them over 100 feet tall, so proud, and they're epically grouped together. And for years, the forestry department actually kept them a secret. So they were pristine and untouched. But eventually, people found them, and now they're dying you know why these epic trees are dying? Feet. You're like, what? People's feet. See, the botanists began to learn something. These gargantuan trees that appear almost invincible, they actually have very little root system. Their roots are delicate in surface. A tree can be over 100 feet tall, and most of its roots are within three feet of this massive trunk. So people started showing up for tree selfies, would walk into the grove of titans, want to take a picture of themselves, had to get really close to the tree in order to make that happen, and were actually stepping on the very life system that kept the tree alive without even knowing it. Simply by walking around it, they killed it. My brothers and my sisters, you need a root system larger than three feet around your existence. You need a root system that will hold you fast because life is going to have winds of opposition. We are living, has anyone else noticed, we are living in oppositional times to the word of God. These are interesting times and we want you to grow deeper. I want to grow deeper. Jesus wants us to grow deeper into his anchoring presence so when the winds come, 
Oh, you might bend a little bit at the top. But what holds you is anchored into a rock that will not move. I have this picture. There's an island out here in the San Juans and there's this gorgeous madrona tree that's out on the edge of this rock all by itself. That tree looks like it has been pounded and beaten and every time that I have an opportunity to see it, this is what I marvel at. It's still there. Won't move. Can't shift. Why? Somehow those roots have wrapped themselves around a rock that will not move. We have an opportunity for you to do exactly that. Do something called Rooted. Will it take commitment? Yeah, absolutely. It's 10 weeks. We'd like to invite you to join a group for 10 weeks and walk through seven spiritual practices that will anchor you into Jesus. Every one of them is, it, they're basics, but it's the most incredible form of basics, especially in light of everything that we've talked about in the last number of minutes. It's important for us to understand the role of daily reading the Word of God because what is inside of you, what's inside of you is actually who you are. Proverbs 27, whatsoever a man thinks, so is he. Practicing the Word of God, sharing your strongholds so that you can tackle them together sacrificial generosity. I mean, there's just an opportunity to serve. Every single one of the practices done together as a group allows us to be able to grow the roots down deeper and deeper and deeper. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that. You can actually do that today at ctk.church rooted. Or if you're here in the room, as you're walking out the door, there'll be some pastors at a booth on the far side of the commons, and we would love to get you signed up. All right, let's close the loop. At the beginning of the end of the chapter, we focused on the foundation of God's word, and we want to come back to that anchor, that foundation, as we close our time together. The inspiration for this entire two-week series came from Ephesians chapter 3, and it also came from the inspiration of a stick. I love my stick. I just wish it was alive. So as we ground ourselves in the word of God that's living and active, I'd actually love to, to read scripture over you today. Because Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church is Pastor Brian and my prayer for you today. That when you walk out of here, you'll make a decision deep in the depth of your soul that I'm going to be rooted Ephesians 3, for this reason I kneel before the Father. You should probably do that. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Last time I checked, we are called Christ the King church because Jesus is our pastor we follow the master not the pastor he is our good shepherd and we do what he tells us to do even if it means we stand alone I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. If you did the inventory with me at the end of 2 Timothy 3, wherever you've fallen short, all it takes is an act of contrition, repentance, and forgiveness, and God will pour out forgiveness on you. And to know that this love surpasses all knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Would you pray with me? God, thank you for a tough chapter of Scripture that challenges us in the deepest part of our being. God, I pray that we would be rooted in truth. And then we would wield that truth like Jesus wielded it. With grace and conviction. God, I pray as we navigate this difficult, difficult time in the world, I pray that we would be known as people of the word. I pray that we would be rooted in you in your presence and that we would be ambassadors of reconciliation and agents of grace this week. God, for those who have been uprooted in this past season, I pray that they would choose to anchor themselves in you. God, I pray that over the next 10 weeks, many of us would find biblical community and stand together. God, I thank you that you are the vine and we are the branches. God, allow us to be anchored in you that our life source comes from you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, walk with us. Keep us strong. Let the roots go deep. And may the wings of the Spirit carry us to new places this summer. Thank you for this church family that is so unbelievably gracious and generous. God, thank you that they've lived with my exposed roots for many, many, many years. God, may we continue to grow together into you. I pray these things in the powerful, wonderful, amazing name of Jesus. All God's people say, amen.